They will remain therein forever. So this is a very uh, beautiful um, ayah or uh, uh, series of ayat, 11 ayat, wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the attributes of the believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the reality of these attributes. Then moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the different stages of how He created uh, us in the wombs of our mothers and the different states of the embryology and the, the development of the, of the fetus. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So these are the various stages of the development of the fetus. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the best and the one, only one who created us in the darkness of the wombs of our mothers. Moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the story of Nuh salam, which we have covered in different surahs in the past. Um, and Musa some story comes once again. After this, Allah Ta'ala, He commands, Ya ayyuhur rusul, O the prophets. Uh, this command is to all of us as well. Allah is addressing the anbiya because uh, the context of it was that uh, the same message that has come to Rasulullah is the same message that has come to the anbiya prior to Rasulullah So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala addresses all the prophets and says, Ya ayyuhur rusul, kulu mina tayyibat. Ensure that you eat halal, pure risk. وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا And then do righteous deeds. إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ Verily I am fully aware of that which you are doing. So over here, uh, I have mentioned this many times, but there's new brothers and sisters perhaps, uh, that this is a very um, interesting how, way how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bracketed these two commands, which otherwise do not seem related to each other. Other places we see Allah Ta'ala speaks about eating and drinking together. Like, kulu wa shrabu, eat and drink. Wala tusrifu, and do not exceed the limits. Uh, this is ayah 51, ayah number 51 of Surah Al Mu'minun. So Allah Ta'ala says, eat and drink, kulu wa shrabu. So eating and drinking, these are two commands uh, that logically uh, they come together. As when we eat, then we also drink to uh, help us, aid us in. Um, Allowing the food to, to be to for us to swallow the food, and Allah Taala also, for example, when He talks about performing salah, He He could say that Ya yuhaladina amanu ida qumtum ila salah faqsilu wajuhakum wa idiyakum. That all those who believe, when you are performing salah, then make sure you do wudu. So wudu goes with salah, and eating goes with drinking. But over here, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala He brackets uh, together. Uh, two commands that at first glance apparently they seem unrelated because he says that eat halal food and do righteous deeds so is it like the time for salah comes you make wudu and then you perform salah are you going to uh, eat halal food and then immediately perform salah why are these two commandments together you could have been eat and drink and rest or you could have been make wudu and pray but why eat halal and then pray so the reason behind uh, these two commandments uh, together is it's not just a, a lesson in the eloquence of the Qur'an, but, but it also uh, has a practical uh, implication for us in implementing this in our lives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned eating halal food before mentioning the command of performing worship and, wor and ibadah because of two reasons. The first is that before you do any good deed, you have to ensure that you fulfill the prerequisites, the conditions, known as a shara'it in the fiqh terminology, shurut, conditions. 
So when a person is performing salah, that's the example I gave before. We talk about, hey, you got to make wudu before you pray. So wudu is a shart, is a condition for salah. Without wudu, the salat is invalid. So likewise, the condition is wathiyabaka fatahir, to have pure clothes. And so you have ghusl, a wudu, which is your pure body, pure clothes, pure place, you're performing the salah. And fawalli wajhaka shatara al-masjid al-haram, to face the qibla. To have the correct time. To have the correct intention. So, covering one's uh, awrah. Covering your body when you perform salah. Covering the, the satar. The satar for the male is from the navel to the knee. The knee is included in the awrah. Uh, in the satar that has to be covered. And for the woman, the whole body, uh, with the exception of the face uh, and the, the hands from the wrist and the feet, from the ankles, from the, in the, in the Hanafiya. According to the Shafiya, that the feet are also included. So the most liberal position is excluding the hands and the feet and the face. This is a, uh, for the validity of the salah. Meaning, um, you know, a person, you would say that, for example, if, uh, if a sister is wearing hijab, her salah should be valid. Not necessarily anymore. Because what type of hijab? There are also hijabs where the entire neck is open. The turban style. Right? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he entered Fatih Makkah, وَكَانَ عَلِيهِ عَمَامَةٌ He was wearing a black turban on the day of Fatih Makkah. So, if a woman is wearing a turban, um, that, that, that sunnah is not for the woman. Right? But in this case, the neck may be Exposed. So, any case, these are all the conditions for the validity of prayer. So, you fulfill the condition before you start the prayer. When it comes here, the reason eating halal food is mentioned is one of the conditions for the acceptance of the prayer is that a person must consume halal. Otherwise, if a person is eating haram food, then all of his ibadah will be rejected. Na'udhu billah min zalik. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. As Rasulullah mentioned that there is an individual who otherwise all of the means and uh, asbab of his dua being accepted are found. Because the person is a traveler. And the traveler far from home his dua is accepted. Then he's a lost traveler. So a person who is in distress his dua is accepted. And he's calling out and saying, Ya Rab, Ya Rab, Ya Rab. I'm lost in the desert. And getting lost today, I mean it's not, perhaps most cases not the end of the world. You know, you can find some help. But getting lost in the middle of the desert, right? It, you will not last too long. Death is imminent. So he is calling out, he's saying, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ Why would his dua ever be accepted? Why? لِيَنَّ مَأْكَلَهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسَهُ حَرَامٌ Because what he is eating uh, uh, is haram. And what he is drinking is haram. And what he is wearing is from haram. Subhanallah. So this is, this shows that, subhanAllah, we, if we want our ibadah to be accepted, then we have to ensure that we are eating halal food. In the very well-known passage that we speak about a lot in the month of Ramadan, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ All those who believe fasting has been prescribed upon you like those prior to you so that you may attain taqwa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with the fadail and then Allah ta'ala mentions the masail. 
fadail or virtues of fasting. Then the masail, okay, what happens if you're sick? Or if you're traveling, you can make it up, etc., etc. There, there is a beautiful rapt and connection of the ayat there. And then at the end of that, in the same passage, looking at the connection, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about dua. Why he talks about dua? Because at the time of iftar, we should make dua. This famous ayah is in the same passage. When my slaves ask you about me, tell them I am near. He doesn't say tell them as he normally answers. When, wherever the question comes to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran, when they ask you about this, they ask you about that, reply to them thus. Reply to them thus. Qul is always there. But when it comes about this question, when my slaves ask you about me, Allah Ta'ala doesn't say, Qul, tell them I'm near. Allah Ta'ala directly tells us. He takes, a, he takes away any intermediary and He says, qareeb, I'm very near. So that Qul is noticeably missing here. And it's a beautiful lesson for us. When they ask, when they ask you about me, I'm near. So the amount of time it takes to say uh, for, uh, for Allah Ta'ala to, for us to read فَقُلْ say that is too much of a delay. Allah is saying فَإِنِّي I am right there. أُجِيبُ دَعَوْتَ إِذَا دَعَانَ I am ready to respond to the one who calls out to me. فَلِيَسَّجِيبُ لِي وَالْيُؤْمِنُ uh, So then after that other masail are mentioned وَحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ الصِّيَامِ etc. At the end of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ And do not eat haram. Summary of this ayah is talking about uh, uh, taking over people's property in haram manners. وَتُذُلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَامِ You bring your false cases to the judge. And you want to consume amwal al-nas bil-batil to people's uh, property and money. And you uh, are very eloquent in, in arguing your case in a, which is a false case. And then you see that the judge has judged in your favor and you think it's halal for you know it's not it's haram so the scholars of tafsir say that why did this come here the reason this is mentioned here is a reminder that all day if you were abstaining from halal food for the sake of Allah how great a tragedy would it be that if you break your fast with haram food so do not eat haram food then you are losing out the thawab of your fast and for the food to be haram is both ways a person if he buys 100% zabiha, halal, pure, organic Halal and tayyibah food with haram income money, it's haram. And if a person, he has most halal income, but he ends up buying haram food, that's also haram. The second one is commonly understood, everyone knows that, hey, if, if I go buy something that's haram, then it's haram. But what we don't realize is if our income is haram, the most halal food is also haram to consume. And um, when it comes to our deen, Allah Ta'ala says, Udhulu fi silmi. Kafa, enter into Islam totally, wholly, completely. And we are the ones who have divided it to a certain extent when it comes to ibadat, forms of worship. You know, we want to learn and try to do it in the correct manner. So when it's the Hajj time, you will have a Hajj seminar. People who are going for Hajj, they don't want their Hajj to be wasted, so they will come and pay attention and listen and learn. When it comes for fasting, there is some level of fiqh of fasting, interest in that. Fiqh of zakat is a lot of interest. Hey, I'm. Interest as in desire. <laughs> uh, because uh, people are saying that, you know, I'm going to discharge it. Make sure I discharge it in the correct manner. So people are interested in learning about the fiqh of ibadat. Uh, but fiqh of mu'amalat and fiqh of uh, dealings and transactions and earning, there is gross negligence, ignorance about it. And there's no interest and desire to learn. And this is... Uh, 
reminiscent of and reminds us of the attitude of the qawm of Shu'ib. Shu'ib alayhi nation, they made this specific remark to Shu'ib They said something has gone wrong with your brain and you have gone crazy. That's absolutely a ridiculous thing to call a Nabi, you're crazy. Khatib al-Anbiya alayhi salam. But on, it's a, their statement is even worse because they said, you know why you've gone crazy? They said, maybe because we see you performing so much salah. So you're always praying and praying and praying and because of your excessive salah, that has uh, distorted your mind. And why, what's the evidence that you are so mad and distorted and you have uh, so foolish? It's because how in the world do you even think that you have any right to dictate to us how we earn our money and how we spend it? This, all of these three co- components are found in the ayah. قَالُوا يَا شُعِيبُ أَصَلَاتُكَ تَأْمُرُكَ أَن نَتْرُكَ مَا يَعْبُدُ آبَاؤُنَا أَوَ نَفْعَلَ فِي أَمْوَالِنَا مَا نَشَاءُ إِنَّكَ لَأَنْتَ الْحَلِيمُ الرَّشِيدُ They said, whoa, you are so strange, uh, O Shu'ib. أَصَلَاتُكَ Maybe you're performing too much prayers that has affected your mind, demented it to the extent that you think now that you can Number one, you think you can command us to give up worshipping the idols of our forefathers? That part, Tawheed. Number two, That you think you have the right to tell us how we earn our money? Amalina, our money. We earn it, we spend it as we want. So this is the attitude of Shu'ib al-Islam's nation. And this has come into our ummah as well. Where, okay, if I have to perform ibadah, I got to learn how to do it. But if I have to earn and spend... You know, I will go to uh, get some um, advice as well. And I will get counsel from whom? From the financial consultant, right? Uh, and he will uh, advise me. My investment consultant will tell me how to invest my money. But why do I need to uh, ask a mufti about that? You know, so many salat in the masjid, that's the jurisdiction of the mufti. But uh, buying and selling and earning and saving and, sp- and investing, you go to a financial consultant. Um, so we'll pay top dollar for that to, to see how we can invest our money. But we're not concerned whether it's halal or haram. So on the day of judgment, Rasulullah said, لا تزال قدم عبد يوم القيامة That the servant of Abd, he will not be able to move his feet on the day of judgment. He will be stuck in his place. حتى يسلا أن أربعين Until he answers four questions. عن عمره فيما أفنا How did you spend your life? Specifically number two وعن شبابه فيما أبلا How did you spend the youth when you were at your pinnacle of physical and uh, strength and emotional strength? And number three وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما وفيما انفقه And regarding your money this is a two part question How did you earn it and how did you spend it? And number four, This also has two parts. How much knowledge of the deen did you acquire? And how much of the knowledge of deen that you acquired did you practice upon? So this is something we have to be careful about. In any case, going back to the original ayah, we learned that eating halal, consuming halal, malbasa, even the libas a person is wearing has to be halal. As in this case, the Nabi Wasallam said, the person whose libas is from haram, his salah is also his ibadah is also not accepted. So that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned it first. Because it is a precondition. And the second reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayah, كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيَّبَاتِ إِلْ حَلَالٍ وَعَمِلُوا صَالِحِينَ Do righteous deeds is because eating halal food 
will further motivate a person towards good deeds. Whereas eating haram food will further motivate a person towards sin. The more halal, tayyib, pure food a person consumes, it will actually add nur to his heart and it will make it easier for that person to worship Allah. The more haram food a person consumes, then that will turn a person away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why he's mentioned in that order. Moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about how we should uh, respond to people who may treat us in a bad manner. Allah ta'ala says that If people treat you in a harsh manner, respond to them with kindness. نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَصِفُونَ O Nabi we are aware of how they are mistreating you, what are the evil words they are using and the abuses they are hurling at you. وَقُلْ إِنْ رَبِّي O my Rabb, I seek your protection from the whisperings of shaytan. And I seek your protection that the shayateen should come upon me. So Ibn Kathir mentions that the commandment to repel evil behavior with kindness comes three times in the Quran and every time Allah Ta'ala mentions it he immediately uh, in the uh, succeeding ayah the, immediately that comes after it in this case is ayah 96, 97, 98 he talks about seeking protection in Allah from shaitan because when somebody uh, treats us in a rude manner to not reply back in a rude manner and to be patient this requires the protection from shaitan otherwise shaitan considers this a great opportunity to interject his poison and make it into a worse situation for us by making us reply back and respond back in an even worse manner so that we end up becoming the aggressor. Over here, there is a very um, uh, terrifying scene of Jahannam that is mentioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Hatta idha When the death will come upon the disbelievers, they will cry out. They will say, Qala Rabbi Raji'oon. Oh Allah, send us back into the world. Why? So that I can go back and I can do righteous deeds. But now it is too late. No, never. Not only la, but kalla. Never, absolutely never. There's no chance of this. So Allah Ta'ala says, When the trumpet will be blown, There will be no lineage that will help a person. Neither wealth nor children will help anyone. So, there are certain junctures, certain ayat, like in this case, we see that righteous family members will not help. In other places, we see righteous family members may help. So how do we reconcile this? That if a person does not have iman, then the fact that they are righteous family members, even if they are anbiya salam, like for Azir, the son Ibrahim, for Kanaan, uh, the father Nuh, and for Firaun, the wife Asiya, and for Lut salam's wife, the husband Lut, all of these core family members, they did not have iman and their family member was a very close servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that will be of no avail, will not help. But once a person has iman, such iman that they will be deserving of entering to Jannah, so they got admitted into Jannah, after having iman, having righteous family members will help. How will it help? Because they will be at a lofty status in Jannah. Who? The righteous family member. And you were able to enter Jannah through the Father of Allah that you had Iman. But your Iman may be at a very low level and their Iman, may be, their iman and Amal is at a high level. But for their enjoyment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will upgrade you to their level. 
Because being together with the family, with the parents, with the children, with spouses is a specific, distinct blessing of Jannah mentioned by Allah Ta'ala in the Quran on numerous occasions. This is mentioned in Surah Al-Tur. Allah Ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe, وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِمَانِ And then their progeny also believes. See, they have Iman. If they did not have Iman, then they would not, this ayah does not apply. Like Rasulullah told his daughter Fatima and his, his uh, aunt Safiya. He said to both of them that, Save yourself, Save yourself from the fire of Jahannam. Do not rely on me, my nephew is Muhammad or my father is Muhammad. One was the aunt to look down on the nephew, and one was the daughter looking up at the father. So your relations on top or your relations beneath will be of no avail if you do not have your own. Iman. But once you have your own Iman, Allah Ta'ala says, We will join them together in Jannah. So there are three logical scenarios. How will they be joined together? Those at the higher level will be brought down to the lower level. Second option is that they both are averaged out somewhere in the middle they meet. And third is that the lower ones will be upgraded to the higher level. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala negates the two possibilities and affirms the one where he says no one will be demoted so in two scenarios the higher level one was demoted either demoted to the middle or demoted all the way down that will not happen no one is going to be demoted people may be promoted alright so Allah Akbar no one will enter Jahannam without deserving it many people enter Jannah without deserving it like he created seven heavens and seven earths. And you know, things are symmetrical. Uh, but and symmetry is uh, uh, something considered beautiful and aesthetically pleasing from the architectural perspective, and etc. But when it comes to Jannah and Jahannam, you would expect them to be symmetrical, but there's something out of symmetry. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Jannah and Jahannam. When He speaks about Jahannam, He says, Laha sab'atu abwab. There are seven doors of Jahannam. When he speaks about Jannah, he says, uh, Allah will open up the eight doors of Jannah. So there's eight doors of Jannah and seven doors of Jahannam. So why is it not symmetrical? Because seven doors of Jahannam for seven sins, different sins. And seven doors of Jannah for seven good deeds. But there's one additional door in Jannah which does not have a corresponding door in Jahannam. And that is the door of those who are entering Jannah without having any good deed to their credit. Purely from the Father of Allah. And there is no such corresponding door in Jahannam where there are those who are entering Jahannam without any sin that just through the anger of Allah. No such door exists. Subhanallah. So they will be elevated. Allah Ta'ala speaks about the Jannah يدخلونا, They will enter the gardens of eternity In the company of their parents and Their spouses and their children And the angels will be entering upon them From every door and saying Peace be upon you Peace be upon you For you were patient in your worldly life You persevered How beautiful is the eternal abode so the angels, they will, they will make this proclamation. Salaamun alaikum. And they will have four announcements. Four announcements, not parking announcements, <laughs> but four announcements. Number one, inna lakum fala tamutu abada. Verily, in this Jannah, first announcement, first rule is that you learn and know that you will live forever, you will never die. Wa inna lakum fala abada. You will remain forever healthy, you will never become 
sick. You will remain forever young, you will never become old. And number four is you will remain forever rich, you will never become poor. SubhanAllah. So they will be elevated based on their family members. Now, this person, uh, in this ayah here, Allah Ta'ala says, When the trumpet is blown, fala ansawa. No nasab, no family member will help. So, what is this regarding? Regarding not having iman. But having a righteous family member will help. Also, another thing to note is there are different scenes in Jahannam. We talked about this, where sometimes things seem uh, contradictory. It's because the day is a very long day. How long? Khamsuna al fasana, 50,000 years long. So some places it says the day of judgment will be very silent. Some places there will be a lot of noise, meaning there are different scenes. So over here, there is one scene in the, in the day of judgment in the beginning where everyone will be crying for themselves. No one will be helping anyone. That's before, that's in the beginning stage when everyone will be saying what? Nafsi, nafsi, nafsi. Oh Allah, save me, save me, save me. And Rasulullah will be the only one who will be saying, Ummati, Ummati, Ummati. And then after Allah Ta'ala starts the hisab, etc., then later on people will be able to intercede. Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyun al-qayyum la ta'akhudhu sinatun wa la noon lahuma fi samawati wa ma fi rad man dhal ladhi yashfa'u indahu illa bi'ithni. Who can uh, intercede on behalf of anyone else without his permission? There will be intercession, but it will be happening through the permission of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. That will happen later. Allah Ta'ala says here, فَمَنْ ثَقْوَلَتْ مُوَازِينُهُ Whoever's good deeds, the scale of good deeds is heavy, they'll be successful. Whoever good deeds are light, the skills on the good deeds is light, then they will be losers. They'll enter Jahannam forever. There's one hadith somebody asked recently that, uh, you know, how do we understand this hadith where there's an individual who has 99 registers of sins. And these are gigantic registers. It comes in the hadith. They are so big. Uh, that uh, they are as far as the horizon. As far as you can see, that's how long they are and how thick and big they are. And there's 99 registers of sins. And then he, on the good deed side, then he just has one little post-it, like a little chitti, a little small piece of paper. It's not even a full letter or a legal size page. It's a little small, little, uh, you know, like those 3M post-its that people write notes on and then they stick it here and there, or at least they used to, right? So uh, everything is digital now. But yeah, those little piece of paper. So, um, you know, there's like khirthas is a paper, khuraitis, small little, diminutive form, small little piece of paper. And he has, and then he, uh, the angels say that, okay, next thing you got to go for weighing the deeds. So he says, this is a completely futile exercise. I don't waste your time. I'm doomed as it is. Look at this. Registers of sins are as far as I can see. Good deeds only this, this paper. What's the point of that? Then the, the announcement will be made. La dhulmal No injustice shall happen today. You got to go through the procedure. Uh, even with the secret service. <laughs> right? People are going through. Anyway, so he said uh, um, you have to go through the procedure. So he came. He goes... So the first thing is they put the registers of the sins. And they pile them up, one, two, three, four, five, six, go all the way up to 99 registers. So it's quite low. Then they say, okay, now the turn to put the good deeds. Let's see what happens. It's a, it's a scale. When they put the small piece of paper down, 
the 99 registers start flying into the air. They start flying. And that's how fast it goes down. It doesn't just go down. It goes down so fast that the 99 registers are just flying away. They're gone. Like where were they? They're just completely gone. Allah. So what is written on that? La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So this is the weight of la ilaha illallah. So how do, so that so the, when mashallah is very beautiful hadith but the person said okay so I said la ilaha illallah even more than one time I said it like a lot of times so uh, I can continue I don't have to worry about 99 registers I can have 999 registers is that okay no no that's the wrong understanding what is this going on here this is a person that um, first of all we have to know that when um, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Nal Islam yahdimu akana qablahu." Islam, when a person accepts Islam, it wipes out all the sins of the past. And number two is uh, that this person basically he had 99 registers of sins, like the one who committed 99 murders. Then he went and committed the hundredth murder, in the other well-known hadith. So he had a lot of sins. Then he accepted Islam. He said, "Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar." And when he accepted Islam, all his sins were forgiven. And after they were forgiven, then he died. Without having an opportunity to do any good deed. That's why on the side of his good deeds, he doesn't have any good deed. It's like, فَوْلْقِيَ السَّحَرَةُ سَاجِدِينَ قَالُوا وَآمَنَّا بِرَبِّ الْعَالِمِينَ رَبِّ مُوسَى وَهَارُونَ قَالَ فِرْعَانُ آمَنْتُمْ لَا قَبْلَ أَنَا أَذَنَ لَكُمْ إِنَّهُ لَكَبِيرُكُمْ الَّذِي عَلَّمْكُمْ سِحْرُ فَلَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ لَوْ قَطِّيَ عَنَّا أَيْدِيَكُمْ وَرَجُلَ لَكُمْ مِنْ خِلَافٍ وَلَا أُصَلِّبَنَّكُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ That the magicians, when they saw the serpent of Musa eating up their fake ones, they fell down and Sajda said, آمَنَّا بِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Fir'aun said, okay, you guys are in the plot. He had to save his face in the public. He said, okay, Musa was on your side from beginning with. You plotted this together. He's your master's teacher. And you're creating this whole fake thing to confuse the people. I'm going to cut your hands and your feet and I'm going to hang you right now. So they said, We don't worry. Go ahead, do whatever you want. And they were hung and they became shaheed. So they accepted Islam and they didn't do a single good deed and they got shahada. So this type of person, the entire life they have 99 registers because they did all kinds of bottle things, black magic, all kinds of haram stuff. I mean, they have to do a lot of haram things to be able to have those powers. By pleasing shaitan. A lot of black stuff we don't want to even necessarily talk about. Talk about it in, in October maybe. <laughs> but not in Ramadan. Okay, so, so, uh, uh, so, so then they have to do a lot of bad things. And do they have a lot of 99 registers of sins? And now they accept Islam. There are examples of, imagine, fighting, killing Sahaba. Pretty bad deed, I would say. So there are mushrikun who are in the battlefield, killing Sahaba. And then in the middle of the battlefield, he accepts Islam. Like during live battle. He takes his, and he goes on the other side. And lo and behold, he becomes shaheed. These type of individuals. And you know, you can't plan it. Somebody says, okay, how can I like, exploit this hadith to the maximum? You can't really, because, uh, uh, well, you don't know when you're going to die, nor do I know when I'm going to die. Well, somebody says, well, suicide? No, suicide is haram, right? So, you can't, you can't say, shalala ilaha illallah and commit suicide. That's not going to work that way too. Alright? If a person is being on death row and is being taken to kill, then he dies with the shalala ilaha illallah. Allah. Now, for example, there's one great zalim. I don't. I guess I could perhaps take his name, because somebody asked about one great zalim in our lifetime. 
so there was a non-official video released of it. I do not advise you to look it up, but I guess people will now that I said that. Of uh, the people who are taking Saddam Hussein to, to be killed. Did he commit a lot of zulm? You bet. From gassing the Kurds uh, to the Iran-Iraq war, to his own population. How much zulm and atrocities he committed, the zalim? Allahu alam what will happen on the Day of Judgment. But as the Shias were very excited that they had got their man and they were dragging him to be hung. Very loudly Saddam Hussein. He said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. And there, there, the noose is tightening. The second time he went halfway. He said it once, he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. And that's when he died. So he said it once very loud. He must have been saying it a lot of times in jail too, Allahu alam. But when uh, he said it once very loud second time. So are we passing any judgment about it? Allah knows. Maliki. He's a master of the day of judgment. So in that scenario, it could be possible if he said with ikhlas, Allah may forgive some of his sins. But there are two types of sins, right? There's also the sin of, uh, of rights of other human beings. That's a different matter. Because if you, rights of Allah, Allah will forgive. But rights of other human beings, if you commit zulm, they will have to forgive on the day of judgment and they will have to settle accounts. And that is very, very difficult matter. Indeed, Allah knows best. But they are... Ajeeb and gharib scenarios. They are, because Rasulullah said, Man kana akhiru kalamihi, la ilaha illallah, dakhalal jannah. The one whose last words are la ilaha illallah, he will enter jannah. I believe it was Abu Zura'a Razi, rahimullah, one of the great muhaddithin, he was dictating a hadith. Hadithana fulan an fulan, my teacher narrated from my teacher, qala simaitu Rasulullah sallallahu And there were like 100,000 students or more. They would have um, uh, those who would be relaying the hadith down, relaying and relaying it further down because they did not have microphones. And they were, all the students were writing the hadith. So while he was teaching the hadith thus, he came, he said, I heard from my teacher who heard from the Sahabi, who heard from Rasulullah He was around three, four narrators between him and Rasulullah illallah. The one whose last words are la ilaha illallah. And then he just fell down. So everyone was writing their hadith, looking down, and then they said, what happened? He didn't finish the hadith. They looked up. Dakhal al-Jannah, before he even said that, he physically dakhal al-Jannah. Right? So one is, uh, you know, uh, you say it with the words, and with the lips, and one is you actually show, this is, this is, you want to die, this is how you die. Allah Akbar. Along. Anyway, so these people, their faces will be burning with the fire of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala will say to them, Alam takun ayati Were not my ayat recited to you, upon you? You are rejecting them? They will say, Rabbana alina Or Lord, we are our, our wretchedness, shikwatuna, our badbakti, our wretchedness has overcome us. Kunna We were people who had gone astray. رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا مِنْهَا O Allah, take us out from this fire of Jahannam. فَإِنْ عُدْنَا If you go back, فَإِنَّا ظَالِمُ If you go back to our wrong ways, we are truly ظالم at that point. So this communication is happening. And this ayah, I'm pointing it out, is considered one of the most difficult ayah in the whole Qur'an. Because we talked about like arja ayah fil Qur'an, the ayah that gives the most hope in the Qur'an. Ajma ayah fil akhlaq, the most comprehensive ayah of akhlaq. This is the most difficult ayah. Like the ultimate most difficult ayah in the entire Quran is ayah 108, Surah Al-Mu'minun. When, since they're asking, begging, then Allah Ta'ala says that, I don't even want to hear you speaking anymore. That burn therein in disgrace, do not even speak to me. 
I don't want to even hear you. So the communication would be stopped at that point. The last words they hear are, Wala tukallimun, do not speak to me. Innahu kana fariqun min ibadi. There, was, uh, there were some of my beloved servants. They used to say, Yaqulun, Or Lord, we believe in you. Forgive us. Shower your mercy upon us. You are the best one who shows mercy. You were mocking at them. You forgot about my remembrance. You were laughing at them. You know, the whole Islamophobia and all that. We're worried about that. Allah talks about that here. Mocking the believers. Those who are, were being mocked by you, Allah says, I have rewarded them today for uh, how perseverant they were, how, how the sabr they made. They, and they alone are the true successful ones. So, if a person, you know, the one who laughs last, laughs best. We should never lose hope, we should never become despondent, we should never uh, worry if while practicing the deen, people are mocking us, people are making fun of us. This has happened in the past to the best of the Anbiya, Rasulullah the best of the Sahaba of our beloved Prophet And as long as we are on the straight path, we should not worry what others have to say. Those who are mocking, this is their final abode in the Jahannam when Allah is saying, do not even speak to me. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. After that, we will begin Surah An-Nur from tomorrow, inshaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve, uh, may Allah save us. And this is the night of Ramadan. Allah ta'ala says, Rasulullah sallallahu said that, inna lillahi ta'ala, for Allah ta'ala, in every night of Ramadan, u'taqa, there are certain souls that he frees from the fire jannah. That today you are granted freedom from the fire jannah. Today we had an opportunity to reflect on the Jahannam, which normally we do not have that much of a time to think about it. So on the way back home, let us all make dua that Allahumma ja'alna min u'taqa'i Ramadan, Allahumma ja'alna min u'ta'alama a'atik riqabana wa riqaba abaina wa ummahatina wa auladina wa ahbabina minan nar. That will Allah free us, our parents, our children, our loved ones uh, from the fire of Jahannam. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillah.